Hey everyone, welcome to The Geek Awakens, where the talk is geekier than doing the time warp, again. I'm Mitch, and joining me tonight is Matt. Hello. And Tabitha. Hi. A uh, quick shout out to Lydia and the rest of the cast and crew of Rocky Horror playing this weekend at the Hoagland Center for the Arts. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I've only been there a couple, I've done it a couple times. It's, it's always a good time. I've never done it here in Springfield, but I've gone before and it's always a blast. I have. He's a Rocky Horror virgin. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, the There's first one time in every crowd. The first time I went, it was with uh, a bunch of people, but involved. One of those people was uh, Miriam, mm-hmm. and she informed me and the other virgin that was in the group of what you know they do to them, mm-hmm. and she still forced us to participate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh well, it was a good time though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, uh, like what you hear, then be sure to subscribe to us pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, including Podcast Addict, iTunes, or Google Podcasts. Really like what you hear? Then show us the money on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. I was going to, I wanted to, like, pull up, like, a YouTube clip or whatever of that, mm-hmm. but as you guys saw with the last 20 minutes, <laughs> that didn't happen. So, um, any questions, comments, or concerns, uh, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, got so much stuff to talk about. The first thing I do want to bring up um, is something that's kind of cool that's going on. Uh, so, our friends at the Front Row Network, uh, they're having their 500th show. Um, it's going to be a live show at Anvil and Forge um, here in Springfield on Friday, November 8th at 8 p.m. So the show is going to be divided up into two parts. The first one is going to be a retrospective with special guests talking about the network and some other things. Uh, it's going to include local podcasters like uh, Jeremy Bailey from Lincoln's Legends, Reggie Guyton from On the Reg, uh, Eric Flick from Lunch Break, and then also us. What? So us? yes, I, I know it's exciting. It is exciting. So <laughs> exciting. <laughs> um, Contain your enthusiasm. No. Oh. Um, I'm not sure that. The entire group will be there, but at least we will be represented in some way, shape, or form, which which is cool because, I mean, like I said, the front row, they've been really cool to us over the years, so it's awesome for them. The second thing that they're going to do, uh, they're also going to finish their best film of the decade bracket. Uh, if you follow them on Facebook, they've been um, pitting, like, movies against each other okay. to come up with the best one. They're doing the initial round of 64 on Facebook, and then that night, they're going to break through the other the final 32 until we get a winner cool. yeah so um all right so i want to actually start uh tonight with gut reaction uh because we've got a couple of big trailers that came out and that's usually when we do that's usually where we put the yeah. trailers so you know makes sense uh the first one is uh um we got the final trailer for the rise of skywalker um so i've got some notes so, because I do, um, I don't get emotional during trailers, but C-3PO made me emotional, oh. and I have down here, and I quote, who am I, Tabitha? Don't worry, Tabitha <laughs> cried about it, so. Uh, um, so, Dark, Dark Ray was teased in the last trailer. I'm pretty sure that if anybody switches sides or whatever, it's going to be Kylo Ren. Because this is the last episode of the Skywalker saga. There, there's no way that they're going to have the, anything but a happy ending. In my opinion. Yeah, I think that's just kind of a given at this yeah. point. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I think at this point, and I've done this with a couple other movies where it's like at a certain point, like I don't want to know anything else. That's where you've you're given. At. That's where I'm at. Just that said, I need this to come out like tomorrow. Can can we make that happen? Um, obviously, a big thumbs up for me, Tabitha. Um, obviously, also a big thumbs up for me. I I teared up a little bit mm-hmm. with uh, the C three PO moment. Um, and then the second time I watched it, which was earlier today, because it just happened to be like in my newsfeed, I'm like, hey, why not? <laughs> um, I uh, paid a little bit more attention, and I think I stopped crying. You know, I only cried the one time. And um, I think you're right. I think that if anybody switches sides, it's going to be Kylo. It's going to make me so angry because all I want is for one movie, one movie, one film franchise, one anything for the bad guys to come out on top. And I know that sounds awful, but it's just (laughs) such a trope that I'm tired of is the good people always winning. Like, surprise me. Give me something that maybe not everybody wants, but give me something new. So I'm going thumbs up for the trailer, thumbs sideways for what looks like a bitch out on making Ray go dark side. (laughs) (laughs) Matt. Um, I honestly, for me, one of the most emotional points to this trailer was just the fact that like they, they were talking about it being the final star Wars trailer. And I don't know if anybody else kind of caught that meaning behind that, but it's the final star Wars trailer. Like, cause this is the end of episode nine. We will get no more, well, I mean, we're going to get more Star Wars trailers, but we're not going to get any more Skywalker saga trailers. Okay. What? I got a bridge to sell you to while you're at it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I'm, I'm not going to pay the troll. <laughs> um, I feel really awkward, so we're going to move on as quick as possible. So uh, so what's your... I'm going to go thumbs up for the trailer. Okay. I'm ready for this movie. <laughs> um... We also got a trailer from The Feed. And Matt, what's, uh, let's start with you on that one. Um, so The Feed is a new series from Amazon. Uh, it has Remus Lupin and... Oh, who's the other one that was in that? Catelyn Stark. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, this, this looks dark. It's, it's very techy. Um, it's, it's kind of like if you're... Uh, social media feed uh, goes everywhere. Um, I, I, I'm intrigued by this, but I think that this is one that will probably get lost in the shuffle. And two, I think it might be trying to do too much. So I'm going to go thumbs sideways. Uh, I thought that this was like really like super creepy and I'm I, I agree with you I think it's going to get lost in the shuffle but I'm in if I have the time for this I'm all about this yeah. thumbs up Tabitha yeah I agree this looks like it's trying to do just a little too much for me and I don't know that I can ever look at that woman be anything but Catelyn Stark and not hate her guts <laughs> so I'm going thumb sideways uh the last trailer that we got was uh Bloodshot uh this it's um I thought that this trailer was a nice introduction to a character that I'm not super familiar with. Um, I hate to say it, but I am kind of digging Vin Diesel in this role. Uh, so I'm going to have to go thumb sideways, Tabitha. This looks like every Vin Diesel movie ever. I, if you would have not had the sound on, I would have not known this wasn't a Fast and Furious movie. Honestly. <laughs> Maybe with a little bit more blood. So, Less cars. Thumbs down. <laughs> Um, I 
would have to agree that this does look like pretty much every other Vin Diesel movie. Um, it does look like it's going to be an interesting introduction to the character. Um, it still looks like it could be like an interesting action popcorn type of flick, but in general, I think I'm just going to go thumbs sideways. Um, Tabitha, speaking of uh, bloody movies, let's talk about Barney. <laughs> so, Daniel, anybody with the pronunciation on this kid's last name? Kaluuya? Sure, let's go with it. Uh, from Get Out and Black Panther. Is evidence, evidently producing a Barney movie? Um, my notes literally say, but why though? <laughs> um, he started a production company called 59%, and they're going to be producing, along with Mattel, a live action Barney movie. Um, when questioned, he issued the following quote, so we can get a little background on why. Uh, Barney was a ubiquitous figure in many of our childhoods. Then he disappeared into the shadows, left misunderstood. We're excited to explore this compelling modern day hero and see if his message of I love you, you love me, can stand the test of time. I hope I'm being punked. Like, I feel like I'm being <laughs> punked. But I, I think I'm not, but I hope I am. Thumbs down. We don't need a live action Barney movie. We didn't need Barney when Barney was a thing. It was creepy. It was weird. Make it stop. Matt, how did Barney leave misunderstood? Because remember there was all that like child molestation, quote unquote, oh. scandal thing with Barney when it was all said okay. and done. Yeah. Remember? I vaguely forgotten about Barney already at that point by the time. I don't know. This is, it doesn't need to happen regardless. Thumbs down. Um, I'm going to give it a thumb sideways. Uh, obviously, I am not the target demographic for Barney. <laughs> But I mean, you know, kids can have their fun too, I guess. But uh, the description that you gave, like, or that um, that you read, like, I don't know, that's just like, yeah, yeah, you're trying to paint Barney in like too big of a light, and it's it, it's Barney. Like, come on, <laughs> thumb sideways. Um, Matt, let's talk about uh, Studio Ghibli. Uh, Ghibli. 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 <laughs> I tried twice and failed both times. Um. So as more and more of these newer streaming services are coming closer to fruition. We've got more announcements on stuff that's joining uh, HBO Max, and Studio Ghibli is part of that. They will release all 21 of their feature-length films at launch for HBO Max. Uh, includes Princess Mononoke, Howl's Moving Castle, Kiki's Delivery Service, Ponyo, etc. <clears throat> um, these will... Basically, this will be the, the place to get all of those uh, anime streaming, which, if you remember, was it last year or the year before, uh, Fathom Events did a thing with AMC Theaters where they aired one of these a month or something. So they have quite the following. Um, I, it's cool to know where these will be available because they are loved and um, by a lot of fans. I think having these all in one place and knowing that they'll be available all at launch is cool. Um, I've never seen any of these, but it would be something that um, would help draw me towards uh, an HBO Max subscription. So thumbs up. Yeah, I mean, I'm not personally interested in this in mm -hmm. this in any way. I mean, anime has never just really done it for me, but I mean, that does sound really cool. So thumbs up. Tabitha. Yeah, thumbs up for this. I like that I'm going to have these at um, more immediate access mm -hmm. than having to hunt them down. Tabitha, let's get Clueless. So, once again, we're rebooting something that doesn't need to be rebooted. Um, CBS is developing a Clueless reboot. 
Um, there's already there was already the TV series based on the movie. Not sure why we need another one, but this one is going to have a mystery element. This mm. one is starring Dion as the lead because Cher has disappeared. Um, so Dion is now like trying to cope with being the new most popular girl at school and trying to find her missing friend. Um, it's being described as Mean Girls meets Riverdale, set in 2020 LA. We have no casting information. So we don't know if any of the original cast members will be making an appearance or having a starring role. Um, thumbs down. I refuse to believe with all the people in this world, we can't have original ideas for movies and TV shows. I refuse. I just refuse. Thumbs down. Matt. This is a thumbs down. Uh, it sounds kind of like uh, you're throwing a Scooby-Doo element into this reboot, which, mm-hmm. but, but why? So thumbs down. You could have had me with a uh, thumb sideways if it was just like more of a traditional reboot of Clueless. I mean, if it was just like Clueless for a new generation, you know, whatever, you know, blah, 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 fine, whatever. But you're throwing in a mystery element into it, like where there doesn't need to be a mystery element. (laughs) Nah, brah. Thumbs down. Um, Matt, uh, talking about more reboots, let's go to a live action Pinocchio. Yeah, so... With Disney and all of their live-action reboots, which is their new thing right now, they have begun talks with the famous Robert Zemeckis, who did Back to the Future and who framed Roger Rabbit, um, to direct a live-action adaptation of Pinocchio. They're already expecting, based on the way the other ones have gone, for the budget for this to exceed $150 million. (laughs) So there sounds like they're going to do this and they're going to go all out. Um, I mean, he really would be a real boy. They do it this way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was deserved. This is another live action reboot from Disney that I don't think we need. So thumbs down. Yeah, I'm going to have to give this a preliminary thumbs down. Um, I mean... They'll have to do something special with this to get me interested. Um, Lydia is here in spirit tonight because when we were talking about the uh, um, the order of the show tonight, she did chime in, uh, but and she wanted to give her thoughts on this. She says, quote, seriously, another the JTT slash Martin Landau version isn't enough for you people. And, you know, terrifying enough. I'm going to assume that was a thumbs down, but I didn't ask her specifically. So, oh, Tabitha. Uh, yeah, the Jonathan Taylor Thomas version of Pinocchio was absolutely horrifying. He was indeed a real boy in that too, but it was extra creepy. So no matter what they do to this, it's going to be weird. Like you can't give me a puppet boy and then be like, I'm going to be a real boy, but you're still a pup. This, this I, sounds like my nightmare. Real boy pretending to be a puppet is real boy. Correct. This is an actual nightmare for mm, me. Puppetception. It, I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> Thumbs down to Puppetception, Pinocchio, and both of you. <laughs> As people. <laughs> I'll just be a puppet. No, I'd rather you be a person. <laughs> so, Twilight Creations is putting out a new card game in December of this year. Uh, it's called Are You Patient Zero? It's a whodunit card game where players gain infection cards and then they have to physically perform what their infection is while players guess which one is patient zero. I am all about this game. I need this. um, When does this come out? December. I didn't didn't get an actual date, but yeah, I'm all about this. Thumbs up. Tap them. 
Yeah, at, at first I thought you were going to tell me the game is called Are You Patient? And I'm like, I lose. <laughs> I already lose. Yeah, because you weren't even patient enough for me to finish the title. Exactly. <laughs> are You Patient? No. <laughs> um, however, Are You Patient Zero sounds awesome. This sounds right up my alley for board games. Matt. I feel like we need to procure this and uh, play this when we go to LodgeCon. Ooh, yes. So, thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Tabitha, let's get some Batman Chucks. Um, Converse is releasing a line of Batman-themed Chuck Taylors in honor of the 80th anniversary of Batman. Nice. Beginning Monday the 21st, um, you started being able to order them via Converse.com or uh, Zappos Finish Line and whatever JD Sports is. Ooh, boo Zappos. <laughs> I've got some feelings about Zappos. <laughs> I see that. Um, <laughs> It's sixty to hundred dollars for the adult sizes, thirty-five to forty-five for kid shoes, and I've never been more thankful that my feet are child size than in this moment because I want these. Thumbs up, Matt. This sounds awesome. Uh, I haven't seen these, but I'm gonna go search online to see what color schemes and patterns there are. So thumbs up. Spoiler alert: the kids' ones are cuter. No. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah. Total thumbs up for this. Um. I haven't seen all the designs, but I've seen some of them, and I don't know which ones are adult and which ones are kids. I don't know, but um, but yeah, I what what was the price price point again? Uh, for big people sizes, it's sixty to a hundred. That's still not bad. It's it's not bad if it's on the sixty dollar end. I'm not paying a hundred dollars. Like the the high top like t- sneaker ones that were the. Uh, hundred dollar. Yeah, I'm not paying. Yeah. I'm not paying a hundred dollars for Chuck Taylor's. Just cut off half your foot, Cinderella, and get the forty five dollar ones. I'm trying to save you a penny. <laughs> I like where your head's at. Yeah, thumbs up on this. <laughs> Don't need your toes. So, um, so a student in Downington, Pennsylvania, hacked personal info on dozens of students at his school. Oh. Uh, I'm assuming it's a it it's his. Um, but um. It wasn't for any kind of malicious action. Um, the student did this in order to gain an advantage in uh, what they call senior water games. And we actually, I, I remembered this. Um, we played a version of this game when I was in high school. We called it Assassins. Where basically, if, if we're playing, if yeah. both schools were playing this the same way, basically students go around and try to quote unquote kill each other with water guns. Um, and... You know, and in various spots, like you couldn't do it at school. and I don't think you could do it at their work. But outside of that, fair game. So like you could be shopping at the mall and somebody would shoot you with a water gun and then you're out of the game. So thumbs up to this student. <laughs> I I should go thumbs down because, dude, you're, you're quote unquote breaking the law. But like that's ingenious. Way to go. And I hope you won. Tabitha. <laughs> This kid's a Slytherin. <laughs> Duh. Duh. Thumbs down for the kid kind of being a jerk, but thumbs up for the kid being a jerk. So thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> Matt. Um, pretty much have to agree that, uh, you know, maybe there was a better way to go about this without hacking. But, hey, I mean, if it gave you the unfair advantage, with it, which is necessary in these types of situations, thumbs up. Y'all. Rats can drive cars now. Is this New York? That is not what I <laughs> no. thought you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in this test, uh, six female and 11 male rats were trained to drive a car that was four square meters in size. <laughs> so, they were 
Whenever they would like touch like a steering bar or they would drive the car forward or whatever, they would receive Fruit Loops, like a little piece of a Fruit Loop. And so the, uh, the the team behind this, they encourage the rats to advance their driving skills by placing food rewards like in in, in increasing increments, you know, okay. farther and farther away. So they learn to uh, navigate the car in unique ways. They engineered steering patterns. Um, but yeah, the, yeah, I... I'm a little terrified, so I'm going to have to go thumbs sideways, but um, yeah. You know, we could be having like a rat version of Uber here in the next few years. <laughs> rat chauffeurs. Ooh. I support this. I was just talking about how I was going to need a chauffeur soon. <laughs> this is fantastic. Thumbs up. I'm first person to get a rat chauffeur. <laughs> and it's going to be a lot cheaper, too, because you just have to pay them in Fruit Loops. So many Fruit Loops, though. Yeah. I feel, like that would make the, I feel like that would make the price of the Fruit Loop go up, though. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they would uh, accept, like, off-brand, like, multi meal Fruit Loops. Probably not. Just get the big bag. That's really rude. You should always tip your rat driver. <laughs> and you're still tipping them. With what? Multi meal Fruit Nobody, Nobody deserves generic Fruit Loops. Have totally. you had generic Fruit Loops? Yes. I have, and you know what they don't do? They don't make your milk as colorful as regular Fruit Loops because the dye is not the same. You're welcome. <laughs> but they're not eating it out of. The, they're not eating like with matter. the milk. They're just getting the pieces. Is that okay matter. with that? How do you know? Did you ask them? Maybe. <laughs> I'm an investigative journalist. <laughs> no, I'm not, <laughs> Matt. So we just need some ooze, and then they can be bigger, and they can drive the cars that we already have. Now, see, I don't want the human size. Right? Oh, that, well, that, that, that would like be super. Weird. You don't want you don't want Splinter. No, I'm I'm all good on that. So here's my other question, though: Which rats were the better drivers? <laughs> Let me. I did not write this down. Let me see. I mean, I'm gonna go thumbs up for the idea, anyways. But I'm just curious. At a quick glance, I'm not I'm not seeing which they said, okay. but yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and assume it was probably the winner. <laughs> The last story for uh, for gut reaction, uh, it's another kind of sciencey one, but this one is way more unnerving. And um, Matt, what are people trying to do with faces? Uh, you can get your face on a robot. Nope. <laughs> um, on October 11th, a blog post by Geomic, a London-based data-driven manufacturing platform. I'm not exactly sure what that means, really, in any way, shape, or form. But they um, put a post out looking for a kind and friendly face to be applied to their state-of-the-art human ro- humanoid robot. Um, Geomic was, repro- was approached by a robotics company from Japan that is trying to finish their humanoid bot. What it seems like is it's going to be a quote-unquote virtual friend for elderly people, but you can apply to have your face mass-produced for these robots. Uh, once the can- any candidate that makes it to the next phase will get more details about the project. If you don't make the cut, you just won't be contacted at all. And the quote-unquote winner uh, will receive payment of $129,000 for having their face on a mass-produced humanoid robot. I'm going thumbs up on the payment, thumbs down on basically everything else about this idea. Yeah, big old thumbs down for me. I don't need the world's friendliest face looking at me as they smother me when the robot revolution begins. So, no thank you. Um, Bye-bye. Tabitha. I was into donating my face until you told me it had to look friendly. I don't think I've got one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Can it 
looks snarky and disappointed because then I think I might win. Do they have you, an option for snarky and disappointed? You didn't see that in the blog post. Aw, dang it. Okay, so I'm short $129,000, but somebody's going to get rich. So thumbs up for that person. Thumbs down for everything else. Yeah. No, no. no. So uh, we've got a few things to talk about, uh, a few reviews. Um, the first thing that we actually I want to bring up, uh, we got a press release from uh, Vault Comics. They are in January 2020. They are releasing um, uh, the next part in the Vagrant Queen series. Um, it's Vagrant Queen, um, a planet called Doom. It's going to pick up right after uh, the end of the first series, uh, but it's also going to serve as a jumping on point for new readers. So you don't have oh. to feel like you have to know what's going on. Um, so if you're unfamiliar with the uh, with the book, it follows Alita, who was driven from her. Who she was a child queen, and she was driven from her throne at the age of ten. Um, wandering through the galaxy, she is forced to return to her former kingdom in an effort to save her mother. So, uh, in addition to that, there is a new series on sci-fi that's going to debut in 2020 based off of this first book. Oh, nice. So, um, I think we got a chance to read, what, the first couple issues of Vagrant I Queen? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I really want to go back and finish that. Yeah. So, uh, we do also have a few reviews. The first one um, is going to... it's. For uh, Black Mage, it's from Oni Press. It's going to be on sale on October 30th. It's written by Daniel Barnes and art by DJ Kirkland. Uh, Black Mage, it follows this kid named Tom Token. He is the first ever black student at St. Ivory Academy, which is a wizarding school. Mm. Um, He and his... Well, she doesn't start out as a friend, but eventual friend. uh, Lindsay, uncover conspiracy and get help from some unlikely friends. Uh... I really enjoyed this book. Uh, I thought that it, um, Black Mage, it tackles like the subject of race, but it's kind of as lighthearted as you can be while you're talking about race. Yeah. Uh, I did also think that the uh, the inclusion of like some of the racial themes, you know, like, uh, you know, Tom's last name being Token, him having a pet crow named Jim, Jim. you know, like things like that. Like it was an interesting way to kind of remind you of the actual subject matter. Uh, What did you guys think? Okay, so I had like a complete opposite reaction to the way that they did this than you did. Okay. Um, I understand what they were trying to do, but in in the sense of them trying to do it in a fun, lighthearted way, it came across so hokey that I don't know how many times I rolled my eyes reading this, but I was severely worried that I was going to have to bop myself on the back of the head to get them to come back down at the end. <laughs> like, I loved the art. I thought some of the humor was great. There were some cute little, like, moments in there where I was like, oh, or like, you know, I liked the I liked the magic and I liked how they, you know, played off of the, like, historical references and things. But at the same time, just every single time they introduced something new that had like a, I don't even know what the, yeah, was, they did it in such a way that I was just like, oh my gosh, you couldn't have like eased that in instead of just, I don't know. I did like, it's not something that I felt I could review like as a Goodreads review, just because it's just, you you don't want to put it down for doing the thing that it did, but at the same time, the thing that it did wasn't done the way it probably should have been. I kind of, I kind of have to echo that. That I feel like a lot of those moments, like you know, the the Tom token, the Jim Crow, the outfits that the uh, the the staff were wearing in the school. It, I understand what it was trying to do, but I felt like it was done 
in a very heavy-handed manner. And I felt like it could have been a little bit more... Not... Subversive is not the right word, but it could have been... I don't know. Not not quite so heavy-handed, if you, I guess. If, if it wouldn't have been... I, I like to figure things out for myself. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're making puns and you're making, like you know, references to things. I don't get to figure out anything for myself. Like, if they would have just not done any of that and they would have left the art the same and left their outfits the same, I would have picked up on it. Yeah. But you're, like, literally telling me to pay attention to this thing. Like, if the crow's name had never been mentioned as Jim, I would have figured that out. Like, yeah. give the reader some... The credit? Yeah. I will say, though, that I did. I love the art style. <laughs> um, I love the art style. Some of the action scenes... Um, I thought were really well done, mm -hmm. especially with the way that the magic was included in the art. Um, I thought that was really immersive and really cool. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, that that as a whole was was really, really cool, and I really enjoyed that, the anime style and that, that action. So, uh, like I said, that comes out next week. Uh, the next three books that we're going to talk about all came out yesterday. They're all from Vault. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The first one is Money Shot. Uh, it's written by Tim Seeley and Sarah Beatty uh, with art by Rebecca Isaacs. Uh, so with this book, it takes place in the not-so-distant future. Uh, scientist Christine Ocampos has invented uh, the Star Shot. It's a teleportation device. Uh, but with a government that is uh, anti-science, she and her friends use the device to travel to new worlds and record their intimate reactions um, <laughs> with aliens in an effort to get money for the greater good. Uh, as you would expect with a description like that, this uh, first issue is absurd. I feel like in a really good way. Um, I do also need more of Christine's cat in my life. Because um, it was like able to talk and whatever. <laughs> Not like that. <laughs> That said, <laughs> let's not kid ourselves, though. If we could travel to other worlds that are inhabited by humanoid species, I feel like our reality would be more like this than it would be like Star Trek. Yeah. In yeah, my opinion. This, yeah. this, this would definitely yeah. happen if we could travel to other worlds, because yeah. so, that's just the world we live in. Yeah. So, uh, what, did, what did you guys think? <laughs> the way that this started... I honestly thought it was going to be more explicit overall than it was. Um, I, I thought it was not campy, but kind of tongue-in-cheek. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, this book has done awful things to us, guys. It has. <laughs> I don't even know what else to say. I really liked this. I thought it was fun. Um, I agree with Matt, though. When I first started, I read that first page, and I was like, whoa, what is this? And it was like, oh, okay. And then it kind of calmed down, and I liked everyone's personalities. Like, they mm. were all very different and all very entertaining all at the same time. Um, I kind of wanted more. Like, usually when we finish these, like, one single issues of things, I'm like, okay, I'm done. But then, like, this one, I was like, but, but do we have the next one? Can I get issue number two? So, <clears throat> I mean, hopefully we'll get issue two in about a month. Yeah, yeah. that's how that works. Usually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, the next one that we got was uh, Resonant number four. 
written by uh, David Andrew with art by Alejandro Aragon. Um, so basically, and I haven't read before today. I hadn't read the other you know issues of this series. So just kind of like get you up to speed. So this focuses on um, Paxton, who is a single father. He's got three kids, and this is in like a post-apocalyptic world. Um, he's got to go out to try to find medicine for his youngest uh, youngest child. In doing so, he's gotten captured. Um, and then so this issue is basically showing some of the ramifications of him on this secluded island with other people and seeing how um, what's called the uh, the chirp. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or the wave. The wave. The wave. Yeah. yeah. Um, seeing how that affects this island, um, which basically the, the wave it's causes people to just basically go insane for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, then back, you know, back home. So, uh, one of his kids has run off, met up with some other, uh, some other kids who's taken him back to this campground or whatever. And these people are, um, immune to the wave because they have found Jesus. I feel like this whole new like campground area. I feel like there is way more to it than what is on the surface level, oh, in my absolutely. opinion. Yeah. This is like crazy Walking Dead vibes for me. Like you've got these different factions that are broken out to like fight the thing that's causing them problems, and you've got these leaders of these different communities, mm. like this guy on this island, this preacher. Like you have these different like sections of this world that we're focusing on that have like their own way of dealing with everything very walking dead like and then this whole wave thing there's actually a book series called the fifth wave yeah where it's kind of essentially the same thing um and i i really i liked this but i wanted of course it was doing that skip around thing that i loathe every time ever but (laughs) i wanted more of certain sections and certain characters points of view and less of others yeah. What'd you think, Matt? Um, overall, I really enjoyed this. I did. I like how it was kind of that, it was that post-apocalyptic, kind of that Walking Dead type vibe, but you got that for once without zombies. Like, I, there were no zombies. Like, when that, like, reading back on those first couple issues, like, he meets that guy early on in issue mm-hmm. one, and I'm like, is this, like, a real guy? Is he, like, zombified? Like, where are we going with this? And then you get farther into that, and I also liked having gone back and having read the first three to catch up for this one, um, you really don't get the explanation of what the wave is and how it really affects people until you get to the fourth issue. And I'm really okay with that. Mm-hmm. Like, I I was okay not having all of the details on how this affected people and how people combated it until then. Like, usually I want that information early on. It It flowed well enough that that wasn't, Something that I like had to know right away, and when I found it out, I'm like, okay, cool. Like we can keep going here. Um, the only thing I didn't care for was I'm not a huge, huge, huge fan of the art. I understand what they're going for style-wise um, with the kind of nitty gritty, a little bit more like pared down type art, um, but not super much my taste. But story-wise, um, I, I love this. I thought this was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Story-wise, I'm really liking it. I mean, it's. It's an interesting, like, family dynamic, and, like, um, it just, like, 
it kind of shows you that you know even in this like post-apocalyptic world like people like still genuinely like caring for their loved mm -hmm. ones and it, and in this instance with you know paxton's family like still having loved ones to care about right. um <clears throat> yeah i i think overall it's a it's a really good story um i was kind of mostly where you were with the whole you know like okay what is this wave thing mm -hmm. It didn't bother me that I didn't know, but it almost bothered me that I didn't know. I feel like if I was, if I feel like if I read the first four issues month as they came out monthly, by like issue two, I'd be like, I need to know what this is. Yeah. You know, like it's mm -hmm. bothering me. But because I read it all in one, you know, in one full swoop, I was like, okay, I'm okay with this. Did you guys not figure that out in issue one? I mean, kind of had an idea. Uh, yeah. Mean, they didn't like explain it, explain it. But right. like, I knew what it was before they got to the fourth issue. Like, I would like, I had comprehensive. <laughs> I had an idea, but yeah. like I wasn't for sure. Like, like obviously, I like I kind of got how it made of them. You know, made the people kind of go insane or whatever. Yeah. But like, I didn't know what exactly what it was until yeah. it was explained. You know, like how it's you know it takes you know like your most violent thought and makes you act on it or whatever. Worlds we don't need to live in. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, the final book that we've got to review, it's uh, Sarah and the Royal, St Royal Stars, number four. Um, this one is written by John Suey with art uh, by Audrey Moak. Uh, I thought we had read the first issue of this, but then when I went back and read it, I was like, I don't know anything what's going on. <laughs> um, so the, the quick synopsis, uh, synopsis of this one, basically it follows uh, this character named Sarah, who is in the middle of a war to save her, you know, like to save her land and everything. But then she's called on this other side quest to not just save her land, but to save the whole you know world. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> she's uh, enlisted by what's called the Royal Stars, and they're basically these godlike beings or whatever, and they're aiding her on their quest. I loved this book so much. Um, I loved like how the Royal stars, even for them being like, you know, godly still were just like, they would like kind of bicker with each other and everything. I was like, Oh, I, I like you guys. You're, you're cool. You know, uh, what did you guys think? I really liked this. I really loved um, the play on like the Zodiac signs and with the stars in the sky. And I, every new star slash God that they encountered was completely new, completely different. Um, Everybody just like worked really well together, but they did have that like bickery, angry, and she is not this Sarah, the main character, is not afraid to ask questions. In a lot of like hero quote unquote stories, you get these characters who are just like, I don't know, somebody told me to. And she's like, but why? I need more details. And then they tell her to do something and she's like, Hold please, that sounds really stupid. I don't want to do that. And then they explain it to her, and she's like, Okay, maybe. But like you don't get that in hero stories. Like that was really interesting to me. Like and they chose to do it with a woman too, which almost mm -hmm. never happened. She is not afraid. I love that. Like that whole scene where she's in the room with all the other gods, the new gods and the old gods essentially, if you mm -hmm. will. Um, and she does. She's like, Hold up. I gotta know what's going on here. And they're like, Okay, well, here's this like and they kind of give it to her. And I was like, I also really, really, really enjoyed how each of, not just how they, how the gods, the star, star gods? Mm -hmm. Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, how they're related to the different constellations, but how, yes, their personalities were different and their character design, I thought was fantastic. Like the ones that we got to meet. Like I thought that was 
awesome. I, I kind of love the idea that's going on through this of the, uh, like, the these are the old gods that people used to worship and they've kind of forgotten about us. And then they go into that that meeting with the new gods that people are worshiping. And pretty much from beginning to end, I just absolutely love this. This was fantastic. The art was cool. The story was great. Um, the characters are awesome and different enough. But, like, again, that kind of, like fun little like bickering kind of at odds but getting to work along kind of thing i don't know just it was awesome yeah so um few other things to talk about matt let's start off with uh what happened to john cho uh he had a freak accident so as we know with netflix when they do their shows it's kind of like okay hey we're doing this and next thing you know we have the entire season available um, well, John Cho is playing the lead role in Cowboy Bebop, but he has suffered a freak accident during a scene that they were filming in New Zealand. Uh, it's a knee injury that is going to require surgery and like full-blown rehab. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they are shutting down production for seven to nine months. They're flying him back to LA to do this surgery and rehab. Um... The cool thing about this, at least I think this is cool, is a lot of times these production companies, Netflix, whoever, when stuff like this happens, they will find a new star, reshoot, and keep moving so that they can keep a production schedule. Netflix has said that they are committed to keeping John Cho in the lead role, so they are shutting down production until he is healthy and ready to go. Awesome. So that means that they really think that they have found the perfect actor for this role. I think that's awesome that they're doing that. Um, I'm sad to see that this is going to be delayed, but maybe it'll give me a chance to actually watch the anime before this hits Netflix and the live action series. Yeah, I had honestly, like, when until you posted that, I had forgotten that, that was even a thing because, yeah. like, they announced that what, how long ago? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you, it's, know. you know, Netflix, they do that. <laughs> they're like, okay, here, we're doing this. And then they forget about it. And it's like, oh, yeah, premiering next month, the whole season. You're like, right. Whoa. So, but yeah, but I mean, obviously, you know, like speedy recovery for, for John Cho, hopefully, yep. but, um, but yeah, like, and that's, that is awesome. I am a little bit surprised, um, because I mean, in the grand scheme of things, seven to nine months isn't a super long time, but I'm kind of surprised that they're completely shutting down production and not just like doing what they can without him, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and then once he's healthy, then film his scenes and then be done. Yeah. But Either way, like, good for Netflix for sticking by him and whatever. Yeah. So, um, now, this next topic, it's kind of a, like, it's, there's a lot to unpack here, and I'm not going to cover everything just because there's a lot that we don't know that's going on. But, um, right now, the, the rumor is that Jeremy Renner is going to be replaced as Clint Barton slash Hawkeye uh, because of... Current uh, allegations and that have come to light in a custody battle custody battle with his ex-wife, uh, Sonny Pacheo. I think that's how you pronounce that. Um, so Sonny has alleged that he is uh, threatened to kill her, has also alleged that his he has a uh, severe drug problem and that there's been other abuse that's been um, that he's done to her. Uh, I think there was one part where uh, one allegation where he had like released like nude photos of her things like that. Um, 
<clears throat> of course, Renner and his team are denying these allegations, uh, saying that, you know, his primary focus has always been on his daughter, um, you know, and just really, I mean, at this point, I there's really not a good way to go about this because, I mean, it, it, this is a custody battle. At the end of the day, you know, some people will try to say or do anything they can to make sure that the other person doesn't get custody. Right. You know, at this point, it's way too early to say, you know, who's who's in the right and who's in the wrong. But I mean, but if she is telling, you know, the entire truth, like that is very damning for him. Yeah, that really is. Yeah, I agree with you. Unfortunately, we live in a day and age where celebrities fake relationships and get married just to promote movies. And we live in a time when people will say people have done stuff to them you know for financial for, gain yeah for financial gain not thinking about the people who the things like that have actually happened to and what that could mean for them yeah. so yeah let's move on and talk about uh what uh Stephen King is doing at his house uh kind of doing there's there's been he's come back on social media to uh address some of what's been announced and released what it kind of comes down to is that Stephen King's Stephen King and Stephen Tabitha King's home, uh, their mansion in Bangor, Maine, um, is going to be transformed into, the article says, a museum and a writer's retreat. Um, it's going to be a writer's retreat. They have um, approached the Bangor City Council to rezone the mansion into a nonprofit. It would be a writer's retreat that would house up to five writers at a time. Um, and really, as a writer, who wouldn't want to spend some time in the house where Derry Maine and all of those creations were dreamed up. Um, Stephen King on his Facebook page did kind of come back and not combat some of what was, what was said, but um, he said there's been a lot of recent press and some misinformation about what's going on with the house at 7047 West Broadway in Bangor. We are in the very beginning of planning the writer's retreat at the house next door, providing housing for up to five writers in residence at a time. The zoning change getting press coverage was the first step. We are one to two years away from an operating retreat. The archives, which this article originally had said the archives and museum would be at the house. Um, the archives formerly held at the University of Maine will be accessible for restricted visits by appointment only. Uh, basically, they're trying to not turn it into a Graceland type of situation where disturbing neighbors constantly. Um, there will be a museum and nothing will be open to the public, but the archives will be available for researchers and scholars. I don't know. For me, end of the day, writer's retreat in Stephen King's home. Yes, please. That sounds really cool. Um, at the same time, like, like part of me would be kind of on edge. Like, <laughs> is Stephen King going to do something? Like... I don't know. It's just going to end in aliens anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, well, uh, <laughs> let's find out if Dracula will end in aliens. Okay, so I'm not a subscription box kid, like at all. And I don't just have extra funds hanging out, laying around, you know, doing stuff. But there's a Kickstarter project, which if, as of four o'clock today had already made its $140,000 goal and was at $148,413. There's, it's a Dracula interactive box. 
So it includes fictional quote-unquote found documents, newspaper articles, journal entries, and correspondence that look like they're from 1897, which is the year the novel was released. So there's a 350-tier box that includes all that and is just in a traditional box. But if you have an extra $2,000 chillin', um, you can get the Entombed Edition. Um, there's only going to be 26 of them made, but these will include actual handmade or hand-pressed flowers, Actual soil from Transylvania, Whoa. partially burnt documents, handwritten, not printed documents, and edible communion wafers. <laughs> and it also, Peace Dealer Resistance, comes in an engraved stone vault. I mean, that's why it's $2,000, because shipping on that's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> right? <clears throat> I don't need this. I'm not the, I mean, Dracula's great, but it's not one of my like top 10 favorite novels of all time. <laughs> But I want this. Like, mm-hmm. if I just had an extra $2,000 floating around, I might think about it just to have it. But I don't know what I'm going to do with a small stone vault. I mean, I can probably think of a good use. You could. Uh, yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. You're you. You'd, you'd be able to. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I take that as a compliment. But this thing looks. Did you guys look at this at all? No. Like, this thing looks epic. Like, it, it's like like you slide like a sarcophagus lid off this thing. Like, what? it looks crazy. I don't need it, but I want it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm in the same boat that you're in, like, clearly I don't have the extra two grand, but if I did. Even that $350 for the, like, smaller box. Yeah, with all Mm. that stuff in it, like, that, it just all looks really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I'm really glad, most subscription boxes that you see are, like, not dedicated to books, unless they're, like, a straight-up book subscription box. Like, I think this is cool, and if they start doing this with, like, more novels and more things like if there's a Jane Eyre box of this and it's two grand I'm finding two grand let's be honest you're finding like six grand because you're going to get three of them (laughs) you know me so well (laughs) yeah I'm going to get at least three bare minimum (laughs) (laughs) all right so a couple uh, quick things to to briefly discuss before I talk about something that might make me rage just just a smidge um (laughs) So, uh, DC has announced that uh, on January 2nd, uh, Wonder Woman 750 is going to come out. Um, It's going to be 96 pages long, including uh, fan favorite writers like Greg Rucka and Gail Simone, uh, as well as current writer Steve Orlando. Uh, It's going to be $9.99, which is about right for these kinds of miles. Yeah. Yeah. And for like these milestone issues. Um, So, it's just, and it's really cool just to see like, you know, uh, Wonder Woman hitting that milestone. Yeah. So, um, Marvel has a uh, has signed a multi year agreement to uh, with Sirius to uh, create uh, what's a quote substantial amount of exclusive podcasts for both Sirius XM and Pandora. It's going to include scripted and non scripted series, and will also have themed live events. Among the uh, scripted series, there's going to be four um, with ten episodes each based around Hawkeye, Black Widow, Wolverine, and Star-Lord. And there's going to be a fifth scripted series, uh, which is going to be a team-up of all four of them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So. I will say, I just this week um, started listening to the Wolverine Long Night um, podcast. Got through the first, I don't know, two and a half episodes or so. I've never listed, listened to a scripted, like, thematic podcast before. It's really cool. It's fun. I'm enjoying the story. That that alone makes me more interested in what these will be. Yeah. I love that they're doing this. Like, this is that whole, like, War of the Worlds radio thing for mm-hmm. me, and that's just, uh, I love that. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, I've never, I've never really tried a scripted podcast, mm. but yeah, this, this does sound interesting. And yeah, I kind of want to try out Long Night to see like, yeah. At this point, like I've done some podcasts and like I said, I've never done one of these scripted ones, but with the music and the full cast, um, it's, it's really been interesting. And if you're going to start somewhere with that, this one definitely seems like a good place to start. So, um, but yeah, the, uh. Uh, these podcasts are going to drop. I didn't get a specific date, but they're going to start sometime next year. Yeah. So, um, all right. So I don't know if you guys read this, but I came across this article. It was on uh, Yahoo. And the headline is let's cancel the kids. Star Wars stormtrooper cons costume. Basically what this author argues is that, um, because stormtroopers are, um, like the word word stormtrooper originated during world war one. And so basically they're saying that the stormtroopers have too many ties to Nazism and things like that, that nobody should be able to dress up as stormtroopers. Okay, but you can dress up as a little army man. Hi, how many Russians died in World War One, and how many Americans? I know that number. I'm not going to share it, but... <laughs> That's dumb. Yeah. That's the dumbest reason I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, Part of this article, he also argues that um, in 2016, uh, the Death Trooper costume for, from Rogue One was, quote, gleefully sold by the Disney store, which is fine in theory because Death Troopers and Stormtroopers are make-believe. But the popularity of these costumes relative to other Star Wars costumes is a little unsettling. I mean, basically, these guys look like they're wearing Space Age Riot gear. I'm going to tell you right now, those are cheaper than the ones of the main characters, and that's why children got those. <laughs> Ding 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 ding. <laughs> um, I want to be in Star Wars. Hold up, hold up, Ray costume fifty five dollars. Hold up, Stormtrooper costume thirteen dollars. Paris got twenty six kids. They're gonna get the thirteen dollar costume. I mean, or you could be my kid. Who's your favorite character? All all the dark side. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> literally all that was his, and I quote all the dark side. Like, so he's gonna pick a stormtrooper because dark side, right? Yeah. So, um, one, one other quote that struck out at me when I was reading this article says, uh, having kids dress up as monsters on Halloween is kind of what Halloween is all about, but having kids dress up as thinly veiled police state executioners is something else. Wow. The fantasy element to stormtroopers isn't really all that fun. If anything, their uh, presence in star Wars is the scariest thing about the entire franchise. I happen to believe that, for the most part, Star Wars is a fairly anti-gun series of films, despite the fact that several gun-like weapons are brandished all the time. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. He goes on I, to say that overall mm. the message is anti-gun, but whatever. We're just going to fight with swords instead. Yeah. But yeah. So this guy argues uh, that, yeah. I mean, it's not like you're letting your kid dress up as, like, Hitler? little baby Hitler. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, that'd be adorable. <laughs> <laughs> okay maybe not i mean it's like you let your kid dress up as i don't know chucky or what? michael myers right. i mean i don't i mean i was many a historical figure for halloween as a child but i was never a nazi so. <laughs> I, you know to some degree like i understand that no like the stormtroopers don't represent good aspects of that 
part of the Star Wars saga that society. But it's Halloween costumes. And it's make-believe. It's fun. Like, it's, it's, I think it's one of those situations where this is not something that's meant to be taken as seriously as some people try to make it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and like you said, I mean, how many other, like, you know, scary, like, you know, like advocates for murder, like Chucky or, you know, whatever. I mean, Chucky actually killed people. Stormtroopers miss all of their shots. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, okay. But then you're also, like, you walk through a Halloween store right now. There's an entire giant ass section of Fortnite costumes. Mm-hmm. The whole point of Fortnite is to kill each other in a battle royale. Not going to address that, but we'll pick on stormtroopers who, like you said, can't hit the broadside of a barn. Arguably, there's a Nixon costume, and I would say he's probably killed more people. Oh. <laughs> than all the True. Combined. True. <laughs> um, there's go- just worse things out there you could be, like Nixon. No. Like- <laughs> Also, I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, a couple of sexy Halloween costumes that I that I saw on Facebook earlier today. Um, there's sexy, sexy Mister Rogers. Nope, no, thank you. Also, sexy Popeye's chicken sandwich. What? I mean, how else are you supposed to be a chicken sandwich? Popeye's chicken sandwiches are always sexy. It's all legs and thighs. <laughs> Go away. Yep. It. On on the <laughs> on the chicken sandwich one, <laughs> I almost died. All right, there, Lydia. We're not talking about Lilo and Stitch here. <laughs> I didn't almost fall off the chair. I almost got pushed off the chair. Nobody saw anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There aren't cameras anymore. Damn it. <laughs> Mitch isn't a reliable witness. <laughs> um, a reliable narrator. <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, interestingly enough, with the Popeye's chicken sandwich one, uh, it did say like sold out on the bottom bun because <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's always those sexy costumes that just don't make any sense that surface every year, and everybody's <laughs> kind of like, well, why? Like sexy, sexy Chucky. Like, mm. I don't Mm-mm. want that in my life. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> so um, we're gonna stop that there then. Uh. <laughs> That's all the time we have for this episode of The Geek Awakens. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks, but in the meantime, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, where we'll be posting news throughout the uh, the week. Uh, while you're there, <laughs> give us some feedback and tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. From all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll be back. Everybody, say bye. Bye.